Hello and welcome to another episode of We and Gardener podcast. I'm Ram Srinivas, your host, and along with me, as always, is Jimmy Funnel, who I have unexpectedly found in the mentions of Barnsley FC, commenting on their latest signing, Marcel Ritzmeier. Hi, Jimmy. <laughs> I thought you'd maybe mention that, yes. Hi, Ram. How are you doing? Uh, nice one. Um, and our guest today is someone who's been part of the We and Gardner History community for a long time. Uh, you may know him by the username Eternal Blue. We also know him by that username, but you can also call him Shiva, I believe. So, hi, Shiva. Uh, nice to have you on here today. Uh, hi, guys. Nice to finally be here. Uh, it's been a long time since I've been a part of the Wagner community. So, yeah, yeah. it's great. Nice. nice. You say Wagner. Yeah, I say Wagner too. I've always wondered how people say that in the head, to be uh-huh. honest. <laughs> It's yeah. it's uh, an Indian thing, right? You do. I think it is. Pronounce yeah. how it's written. So, Jimmy, you say Wagner, don't you? W- Wagner. Yeah. Okay. That's all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, before before we get started, why don't you tell us, Shiva, how you started? I mean, yeah, how you grew into being a Chelsea fan, and maybe how you started visiting the community as well. Yeah. Well. Uh... So the place where I grew up, we um, around 2005-2006, there were a lot of um, Liverpool fans. So I guess I naturally gravitated to a club that was the antithesis of Liverpool at the time. Um, so yeah, slowly I got interested in football and uh, it was during the 2006 World Cup. That was the first time that I actually followed football closely. Uh, I became a huge fan of Michael Ballack. Um, found out that he played for Chelsea as well. So, yeah, so that's where it started. Um, gradually, over the years, my uh, interest and uh, investment, I guess, in Chelsea got better. Um, I think around, it hit the peak of my interest around the time Torres got signed. Um, I remember the goal he scored for West Ham. <laughs> um, sorry, scored against uh-huh. West Ham, which was his first goal, uh, very clearly. Mm-hmm. So it was from then, um, you know, I was following Chelsea through thick and thin uh, since then. Um, I joined the We Ain't Got No History com- uh, uh, website around 2014 when Jose returned. Um, so, Proper old-timer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was so happy that I would get to follow... Mourinho again, right? I missed out on the first time, so yeah, I'd capture that magic the second time, and yeah. it was good for a year and a half. And then, well, we all know how that went. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, we remember the MooCon articles those days, don't we? All the all the build up on we and got no history at the time. Now that that's really cool. Uh, it's been like what five, almost six years now. Uh, you're indeed, indeed. Yeah, so you're. You're Indian, but you've been around the world quite a bit, haven't you? Poland and Colombia, uh, literally opposite ends of the world. So, how, do you? I mean, have you been able to glean anything about the football culture over there? Um, well, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Poland. Uh, I was able to attend a few matches of um, Legia Warsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was quite interesting. The ultra culture over there is quite, um, well, let's say boisterous. So, <laughs> right. 
ultras and yes. everything yeah so that was a different experience and then uh, here in colombia people are very much invested in football like and all the games are usually around lunch time so uh-huh. so there's a side benefit of you know go get lunch watch the game together with your coworkers so oh, that's nice yeah. a lot of a lot of chelsea fans um not really no i mean i mean not since we don't have any colombian players in our squad since juan cuadrado oh yeah so, <laughs> since falcao well Palka was barely in the squad so and also a bad memory isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed yeah so i've been talking to um yeah the people here and my colleague is a is an avid football fan who is well a colombia and the national team is much more um religiously followed i guess um people are very invested in their national team's progress especially hamas uh, how well is doing Yeah, there's a lot of viewership for Real Madrid matches for sure. Uh-huh. Nice one. I am. I'm sure they're following the progress of Steven Alzate at Brighton Hove Albion as well. Oh, for Christ's <laughs> sake! <laughs> anyway, um, that was a very interesting introduction, by the way. Well, I mean, not going to find many people in your situation coming on. I mean, in general, never mind coming on the podcast. So that's cool. Always different. To, I mean, always nice to hear all these different perspectives. from people who are in different places so that's great um yeah let's get talking about the game now i guess chimmy uh nottingham forest then. how would you like it <laughs> uh well you know um it was uh pretty much as expected mm-hmm. you know, we we all expected a win i mean it sounds a bit presumptuous but we did And that's what we also said at the end of the last game because you know anything else than the win would be not good enough to be fair um you know people normally always say oh well you know it's just a championship side and of course in this case it was even less than that if we're completely honest because this was forests well be the c team approximately more like a c team it would seem their coach uh i can't remember his uh his exact name but you know he didn't he didn't really care for it he's concentrating on the Sabri league i can't Lamucci. even yeah i can't yeah he's a frenchman and yeah i can't even really blame him for that to be honest because you know they're pushing for a promotion and why wouldn't they want to then focus on that because i know the you know the magic of the fa cup and all that but for forest it'd be important to finally get that success together so yeah um as such yeah, one expected that Chelsea would be in cruise control there were moments where one could say hmm kind of shaky <laughs> you know that where our defense kind of just fell asleep but otherwise you know we did well we were in control absolutely and before i had on to you guys i'm absolutely ecstatic for Callum Hudson-Odoi. I know we're still going to be talking a lot about Reese James here because you know he was the star of the show uh, he you know star of the show yeah. Uh but Callum Hudson-Odoi great that he got on the score sheet and recorded an assist. I think they'll do him the world of good confidence wise and you know might not prove the doubters wrong just yet. I mean although it's ridiculous that one's doubting him in the first place but point being that will of course uh, put him a little bit at ease now as well you know the monkey's off his back so yeah great game for that 
Indeed. Uh, Shiva, our academy, uh, Forest had four academy graduates in their lineup, but ours were pretty good, weren't they? Um, especially Callum Hudson Adoy, I guess. How would you like his performance? Um, I was I was delighted to watch him play that well again because I mean if you remember last year around the same time in the same fixture he had he got two assists. No, he um, did, yeah. Yeah, and those were assists to Morata who was well <laughs> almost on his way out. Right. Um but yeah, so I mean I guess that kind of started his um path to prominence last season. Um I don't remember him having such good performances in December last year mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. i think it was this fixture that started him being more involved in the europa league action as well so yeah um i'm glad that he got to score i felt that he sorely needed that goal because i mean he has he has been getting into good positions and well he hasn't been able to get that goal that he needs to get going yeah. and and after the match he was also speaking about his recovery from the injury and uh, how that has always been on the back of his mind when he you know does certain sharp movements that he might re-injure himself so yeah i hope this will allow him to continue recovering and being confident enough to do all the things that you know he's capable of doing um so yeah i'm really happy and so, yeah and yeah so i guess that's my take on callum <clears throat> all very poetic isn't it for him to come back against forest almost a year later no oh, that was quite cool um on a slightly different note though what what did you guys make of the likes of patshuai and emerson <laughs> jimmy you, uh i i'm especially interested to hear what you think about emerson well <sighs> emerson actually i thought he wasn't that bad and i I thought he was okay. Um, generally, our defense, you know, it's difficult to say, wow, they were so good and all that because they weren't really troubled that much. There were, as said, these lapses in concentration at times, but generally didn't have much to do. Attacking-wise, Emerson, <laughs> I think he didn't actually do that bad, but, you know, you're comparing him to the other fullback who was just bombing down that right side just the entire time. It was very difficult for him to live up to that standard if you know what i mean so in that respect yeah okay emerson didn't do as good but generally speaking i, I feel that he, he was okay now regarding mishibash why how he didn't at least convert one of those chances and i know he's rusty and i don't want to mm-hmm. lay the blame on him that you know he didn't convert each and one every of those chances because those mm-hmm. crosses in by Reese James were just absolutely phenomenal. Dangerous areas, you know, can't can't convert all of them, but he did well to get in the positions, but he just wasn't strong enough, basically, you know. So I don't know. He, he just not good enough, if we're honest. Just mm. not good enough. That's a damning verdict, isn't it? Um, Pretty much, yeah. Well, I, I I can't I can't really disagree with you over there. Uh, Emerson was probably outshone by Reese James on the day. He probably wasn't too bad, but then I just feel as if he's <laughs> there's just something missing with Emerson. He's not what he was at the start of the season, and 
doesn't doesn't really no. look like reaching those levels again for some reason i don't know that just might be my negative outlook but uh, obviously the 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 need for a left back is greater than ever but as as far as strikers go shivar do you agree that bachway is probably i mean do you think that he should be on his way out quite soon and i mean for the fact that he just isn't good enough anymore um well my take on mishi has always been that he's just Well, like Loy Kremi before him, he's good enough to be a backup, and he seems to be happy to play that role. But um, I mean, if you're going to compete for league titles and Champions Leagues, then I don't think we can be happy with him as a backup. Well, at least not as a not as a primary backup. Um, so, yeah, because we hoped that he'd become better, right? When he when we signed him under Conte, um, we had hoped that you know this is someone Conte could help and. make his back to goal play better make his overall involvement in the team better and that just hasn't happened there has been no progression so yeah it's time to uh, well recoup some money back on him and i'm sure there is going to be a few premier premier league clubs who are going to play pay as what we want us want for for uh, bachuai not so, after yesterday <laughs> that will have knocked at least 10 million quid off his price tag i can tell you that well i mean we signed him for 32 million was it um so yeah let's say we get 20 million for him that's still a good enough return on investment they're going to get nothing for danny drinkwater so yeah mm. I think one should also add that um may- maybe I'm being too harsh here on Mishibash why because I actually do like him as a person I think he's one of the my favorite uh, players in the squad at the moment um but the problem is he had yesterday was his chance and I just feel as if he didn't do enough even though it was only Nottingham Forest you know only he just didn't do enough to rectify why he should now be chosen in front of Tammy Abraham and he feel, felt as if he was resigned to this backup role but the thing is <coughs> we need our backup striker to also be able to score a goal and Mishibashwai in recent weeks despite you know when he linked up well with Pulisic uh, a few months back he is just not showing that anymore so we'll come into that when the transfer when we talk about transfers in a bit um but i understand why frank lampard is thinking about getting in another backup strike or you know not backup necessarily just someone to uh give tammy abram some competition and yeah i i i don't know i mean ram i don't think i've ever spoken with you about mishi bash why what what do you what are your sentiments towards him Um, my sentiments towards him were largely filled by a very very big soft spot since he joined and then you know when he had this burst of goals at Borussia Dortmund mm. i i was actually very optimistic i was like yeah he's just needs rhythm needs minutes and to to, to be fair balencia and crystal palace were utterly rubbish choices of loan destinations but see I know that there's a player in there and it's he oh. really just needs a run somewhere but that's let's face it it's probably not going to be at Chelsea. So I I don't think he's as bad as 
he's sometimes made out to be and I still think he's a decent second choice striker but that being said in the same breath I have to say that his performances have really deteriorated over the over the recent few appearances and well should it continue this way we should definitely be in the market for a striker and yeah if yeah basically we should be in the market for a striker it's probably not going to happen for Bachwai at Chelsea anymore unfortunately because he seems like a decent character uh seems like he has a decent attitude wanted to stay at Chelsea fight for his place he's looked yeah. very hungry when whenever he's come on all that but eh, sometimes it just doesn't work out happened with Morata it's probably happening with Machino so uh, perhaps, yeah yeah, yeah i mean to uh, to add to that point like you said that him and Pulisic had a good chemistry because they actually they played did, a lot yeah. of games to I mean, yeah. they had a lot of minutes together, which is not really true for him and the rest of our attackers, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be too harsh on him, saying that, you know, he's not a good player. But yeah. at the same time, um, you know, at the age of 26, if you're not at the level where you're going to <clears throat> consistently yeah. consistently be a performer for the team, whenever you get the minutes, then it's hard to justify keeping him around. Um, yep. Not not when you're at Adam Lallana levels of young anymore. That's that's oh, when God. you can't be justified anymore. I guess yeah. yeah. So well on that. The same yeah. could be said for uh, Ross Barkley too, right? I mean. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't yeah. don't get me started on that one. Uh, on on that note. Wait wait no sorry Ram can I can I ask you to one more thing which is uh, which I found quite peculiar yesterday because that I'd really be interested in your opinions here. Okay. Why was Christian Pulisic not in the squad yesterday? I know there's been always this talk about uh, he's being uh, treated unfairly compared to the other players and all that. But, you know, why take William in that squad with him? You know, he's been playing constantly, non-stop. There was absolutely no need to have William in that squad yesterday. Why not bring Pulisic in, introduce him to the FA Cup? I, I don't understand it. Um, well, Lampard uh, said after the match that um, Pulisic picked up an in, uh, an injury in training yesterday, oh, so he? he was uh, so he was rest. He was given the chance to rest today, and I don't oh. think it's too serious. But at the same time, these small niggling injuries. Oh. Um, well, it's better to be cautious with play Pulisic because he's probably been our well, he has been our best attacker. Um, mm. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, so yeah. Wrap him up in cotton balls if you need to. Just keep him fit, fit for the end of the rest of the season, right? Mm. No, no. Then I, I, then I apologize. Of course, I <laughs> thought that that he was actually um, not injured because he was injured only a short time ago. But uh, okay, well then I missed that. My main, well, my bad. Well, thanks for doing that. <laughs> that's all <started, laughs> right. Um, now we should finally take a break and welcome back to we in got no podcast uh picking up on the discussion from chelsea's tonal win against nottingham forest b uh i'm quite intrigued on where andreas christensen's career is really headed you know because he's definitely not in the first three choice center back options that we have at the moment sometimes i mean tomori's been injured so 
it's kind of been difficult to tell who the first choice pairing is, whether it's Rudiger and Tamori, Tamori and Zuma. Rudiger is probably in there. So is it Zuma or Tamori? That's been a little hard to gauge, in my opinion. It should be Tamori. But then, yeah, what does what happens to the fourth choice wearing number four, Andreas Christensen? Just a very weird coincidence. But yeah, he's, I don't know, is he just going to be happy accepting these minutes in Europe and the cup games and the odd Premier League rotation game? Probably not. So what what, what would you, what do you do with someone like Andreas Christensen? Shiva, do you just, do you assess whether to sell him next summer instead of selling Zuma or something like that in order to get value while he still can? Because it's, it's hard to imagine his value is increasing at this rate because he's obviously not getting any younger and he's still playing rotation minutes. And I mean, at this rate, he'd probably just be on rotation minutes for like two, two and a half seasons now. So it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, see, I've been a fan of Christensen when he was part of the Youth Cup sides. Um, I mean, yeah, him and Nake, him and well, Clark Salter, these were partnerships that were good. Like they had good um, aggression, they had good uh, passing, and they were able to make a uh, make it work at the youth levels. But then he went to Germany, and he did a great job there. And when he returned, I was very happy because at the center of Conte's backline, he was imperious for half a season. And um, I don't think he has ever gotten back to those levels of performance since then. I mean, that's kind of concerning. Um, but at the same time, he hasn't had a run of games, right? So, I don't know. Uh, I have a soft, soft, soft spot for him and, well, all of those players from that golden generation. But, yeah, I think it's time to take a call on him because he hasn't differentiated himself in terms of, you know, what he gives the team on the pitch from either Tomori or Zuma. Um, in like, not in terms of his passing, not in terms of his... Well, defending and awareness. Um, and that Everton performance certainly is very fresh in all of our minds right now. Yeah. So... Well, uh, forgive me, but I'm going to, well, for podcasting reasons, I'm going to put you on the spot and say next summer, which one of them do you sell? Um, at this moment, it has to be Christensen. And I say that with uh, deep sadness. But yeah, Zuma has done a lot in his time here, he has reasserted himself as probably the uh, choice after Rudiger as the senior centre-back. So, yeah, it has to be Christensen. Mm, hard decisions. That's that's football, isn't it? Uh, well, uh, Jimmy, I feel as if we never, we never give the opposition players quite enough love on this podcast. Um, so, 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 so do you, do you think that Mighton is going to be the next Mbappe or not? Just a yes or no, no yes or no question. Let's, let's be realistic here. He, did he play well for his age yesterday? Yes, he did. He held his own. Mm-hmm. He really put in the shift and showed some great work. Great, but did he show any effectivity? No. You know, he, he, well. It's very. It's too. It's too. It's too early to say. He he was definitely their man of the match. We, no no argument there. And, anyone else? Um, anyone else? I mean, it's not saying thing? much to call him the man of the match because yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, they had. I don't know how many touches they had in our half, but like 
yeah well, i think he had most of them <laughs> in he, any he did, case yeah. yeah so i mean what? i i thought he did a good job but at the same time no he's not the next mbappe <laughs> so <laughs> probably not no he's i mean he, he could be the nottinghamshire mbappe uh, anyway <laughs> how about that how any, about any, that? any law any lording that i do for him is not going to be enough in your book. So it's a, it's a redundant question. I know it had to be posed. Yeah. But if I ask you now, you know, what uh-huh. did you think of him? I think we're going to be sitting here for a few minutes about probably. you gushing. Probably, probably. <laughs> and I say that with the greatest love I have for you. Oh. How about the refereeing call, though? Penalty, offside, quite point. Point. Yeah, that was a penalty. Uh, I mean, I thought Tomori <laughs> got a touch on the ball, but I think he went through the player to get that touch. So did you yeah, not it's think? Did you not think Maiten initiated the? I mean, forced the contact though. Um, yeah, I mean that's part of the game. Like, I I'm surprised that he was that savvy, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, see this this is something that defenders have to be aware of, and yeah. strikers are going to do everything they can to get the advantage in the box and that includes shoving that includes you know holding shirts um so all of this is part of the game now and yeah so you have to be clever enough to avoid getting trapped um in that moment i don't think tomori did a good job mm-hmm. but well his recovery is beyond belief so yeah it is yeah oh man fair enough i guess not as if Flora Maluda hasn't done it like Martin Skrtel or something. Pretty sure he has. Uh, Jim, shall yeah. we shall we move on to transfers now? I think we've covered pretty much every talking point on the game yeah. itself. Pretty well, much. We yeah. have forgotten these games. <laughs> I mean, oh it, God! Yeah. No, he's right. Yeah. yeah well, that, that was yeah. He was basically turned into Kafu, didn't he? He. I mean, actually, if you think about it, it was a pretty Trent Alexander Arnoldy performance. because all his all his crosses were just finding like the right right mm. movements like uh forgive me for saying this shiva but then we we kind of looked like liverpool for a few minutes where all of our crosses were finding the right runs from attackers but then obviously it wasn't mm. it wasn't happening nearly enough but then that was quite encouraging i thought that was probably like early on yeah i mean see this is something that can become a legitimate uh, attacking plan for us because he is indeed as good as I mean, Trent and Alexander Arnold in finding that pass and that cross to you know find runners in the box and put it into dangerous areas. So um, yeah, and that was something that I was thinking about yesterday because we had some excellent crosses coming in from the right side with both Callum and um, Reese. But did we have enough players in the box to take advantage of that? Um, what did you guys think? Hmm. Well, that's that's the question, isn't it? Because uh, uh, j- just one thing to Reese. Also, one has to keep in mind he can make that space for him. But Callum Hudson Doyle and he work quite well together. He Callum uh, drew quite a few defenders nearly every time taking on them. They they were crowding around him, and that gave Reese James the the time to cross it in. But as you just mentioned. if there are no takers in the middle that's a problem <laughs> i just we were screaming out for olivier giroud let's, let's face it even though he wasn't good the last time he played for chelsea but mm-hmm. well don't you think i mean olivier giroud is not the solution to our problems at 
as backup striker, but he should he would have done more with that. I feel. No, he probably would have. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, let's hope that Tammy Abraham does take advantage of it whenever. I mean, I assume the plan is for Reece James to eventually become starting right back, which is like pretty soon. Um, that's probably why Aspeliquera has spent a few games at left back. Um, I have no problem with that because Aspi has been amazing at left back for us in the past. And the thing that I do like about that partnership of left uh, Aspi at left back and Reese at right back is because I think Aspi is well, not as good as Alonso, but he's quite good at getting into the far post region, right? So just he can tap-ins and knock-ons and whatever. So he's quite alive in the box when he gets there. So... Um, and that's not true for Emerson in any way. So, yeah. good point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're going to exploit the width on the right side and play our wingers and fullbacks to be quite wide and you know try to put in deliveries, then our left side has to come in and occupy the box. So, yep. yeah, I, I would say that Alonso and Aspi are probably the candidates to do that kind of a, a role in the team. Yeah, right. Yeah, really uh, good point. I like that. Uh, on, on that note, um, Reese James is just really, really good, isn't he? England are going to have a problem when they're deciding to pick him or Trent Alexander-Arnold in their squad. That's going to be a tough one. I mean, if, if England had to go compete a tournament with just a team of right-backs, they'd probably win. Because you look at look at Max Ahrens and like Nathan Ferguson, Jaden Bogle, all these people. England probably has like the one of the best generations of up-and-coming up right-backs at the moment. It's it's just it's just weird, that one. Um, sorry, I kind of deviated there. But what, what I was going to ask um, either either one of you was, Callum on the right or Callum on the left? I feel that that's a pretty interesting problem. Because he was effective on the right, wasn't he? Well, um... Hmm. Yeah, so go ahead. I'll make my point later. Oh, no, the floor's yours. Okay. All right, so um, so here's the thing, right? We know that Callum and Reese have spent some time playing together. Well, not on the same flank, but in the same team. They've trained it, trained together as well. So, I mean, there is something to be said about chemistry between the winger and the fullback, right? And I don't ever feel like that has been true for Callum on the left side with either Alonso or Emerson. Um, and the other thing about Callum is that I think he's really good at finding separation. Um, and on the right or the left, he does a great job of hugging the touchline, which is not the case with Pulisic, who is very much like getting to the inner inner areas of the pitch, you know, between the lines. So there is a contrast between those two players. So we have to pick and choose how we want to line up and where we want a width coming from. And I feel like since our best crosser is Reese James, and and I think the second best crosser is Callum, I would say that right now it serves the team better to have him on the right, being able to you know either cut in and shoot on his left, or just go down the line and put in good crosses and yeah for our strikers and attacking midfielders to feed on. What do you guys think? Sorry, <clears throat> he has shown that he can work on um, both both sides of the pitch. 
is he more effective on the left? Obviously, for apparent reasons, you know, cutting inside, that's a trait which is very on vogue nowadays, and he's very good at it. Um, Ironically, he got his goal by cutting in from the right, so there's that. did, yes. Um, to be fair, let, let's be honest here. These Those Forest players were lacklustre. There was very little energy. They weren't really motivated. There was no drive. You know, I can't really fault them because they knew, hey, we're actually the worst players that Forrest has, hey. That's why we're playing. And he made that painfully clear by leaving, like, everyone at home without an exception uh, when it comes to the first team. Sorry, I forgot the bloke's name again, the, the coach, but it doesn't really matter. Point is, they weren't in any way up for this game. And as such, it was, of course, easier to take on quite a few. And I don't want to diminish the, their great performances here, uh, including Reese James's phenomenal performance. But one has to be realistic here and still keep this in context. You know, you can only beat the opposition that's in front of you. And they did that and they did very, that very well. But, you know, we, we can't go overboard here. You know, we can be happy, but we shouldn't go overboard. I still think that Callum hudson Doy is most effective on the left. And the same goes for Christian Pulisic, unfortunately. That means that on the right, we need some reinforcements. I think we've needed it for a very long time. And while Callum hudson Doy can work on the right, we saw that in last year's Europa League as well, we need someone on that right that's just more effective or you know, on a constant basis, that is like this world-class bracket. While you could say, okay, Callum hudson Doyle is a world-class talent on the left, he's only like a, a, a really good play on the right. Goal or no goal yesterday. Because that, as said, that um, was sure. horrible defending. And that's why I think we need a left-footed right winger. That's why I just want to end on that. No, mm. uh, you're preaching to the choir here. I have been calling out for left-footed players in a squad for a long time. Mm. Um so the one thing I would say is that, I mean, in the last few games when Callum has come on, um, when Pulisic has been on the pitch, Callum has played on the right. Um, and I think when he came on against, um, I think Southampton, um, he started the game on the left, right? Right. Yeah, but I think at the end of the game, and I think Lampard, when he brings him on as a substitute, is putting him on the right side more because he wants to see that delivery into the box coming in from Callum. Um, so, I don't know. I think there is some versatility built into him. And I think right now, it serves the team better for him to play on the right. In the future, for sure, left, left side is where he needs to play. But I think... Yeah, I mean, when we are chasing games or when we want to, when we want that breakthrough, it's probably better to have two good crosses on the right side because you're not creating as many chances as we have been. So there needs to be a change in the way we attack. So, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Jimmy, do you know who is a right winger who plays with his left foot? Oh, I know one uh, who would also be an interesting option. Unfortunately, I think you're going to be telling me some guy no. called Ben Rama. No, no, not Sai Ben Rama. He's, he's no, not him. Uh, he's right. <laughs> he's, he's no. He's he's very good, but then I yeah, pretty sure he's right for it. Uh, oh, but okay. no, that wasn't my. That wasn't the one I was hinting at. I was actually hinting at Ricardo Orsellini. 
who oh yeah we spoke about him yeah, yeah we but... did yeah didn't we he, he scored another goal today by the way he's uh yeah he's on five and five in 18 appearances so make make of it what you will left left footed winger i mean yeah left footed winger playing on the right um tons and tons of expected goals expected assists also real goals and real assists i'm i'm just saying i'm just i'm just putting the name out there <laughs> yeah but we need proven quality at this but look the thing is we've got so much i mean finally someone's trusting in our youth is uh resorting to the academy for mm-hmm. depth and you know just for generally really good players we've got enough of them already in the squad and there's still people like Lamptey who's coming through and we still got Gilmer that we've got enough of that but there we need just as much people that can come in with experience that are already at this level where you say okay they can immediately hit the ground running I mean you can never know for sure I know but where you'd expect that to happen they've got the experience and they can help the team straight away because no matter which youth player who is who's currently playing really well for Chelsea? He always have his up and downs. We've seen that with each and every youth player this season. Doesn't matter who from the academy. He's also had his bad games, and we need one that can have an immediate effect. And there is no one from the academy who has a left, who's a left-footed right winger. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm not the expert on the academy, but not at least in the age range. Did say 18 plus 20, preferably. So you need someone to come in. I know Jaden Sancho is not left-footed, but he is just that world-class quality with such a high ceiling that you'd say, okay, doesn't matter, we'll take him anyway. But otherwise, you have to look to other op- options there. I can't. Uh, the only per- player that comes to mind who's left-footed and could be in a really, you know, top bracket is Hakim Tsicek. But we need talking about, uh, talked about him in the past that he has his flaws as well. But that's why I think that only by bringing in these really young players like this Orsolini, that's not the way to go. We need a... He's 23 in April. Yeah, okay, but uh... has he really proven himself? You know, we need, um... a, we need a balance here. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with Jimmy because, I mean, I think the profile of the squad is such that we have enough young talent. What I'm looking for is those players who can just be solid performers, right? We need people like us, P, who will do good. No matter what, so I guess Oyar Sabal is a good good option. Then he's also uh, left-footed. Yeah, I okay. don't know. A couple of years back, I was really interested in Berardi and uh, Bernardeschi. One mm-hmm. guy joined Juventus, the other is still at Sassuolo. But is, I don't know. Yeah. I was doing recently. I'm just looking at his numbers. He's been doing well though this season. He has. He has, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he's someone who can also play as a central forward although mm. that's not his main position he is the yeah. right right sided forward with the left foot so he has been playing like a proper goal scoring winger this season yeah he has good good shout Dominico Berardi nice one um hasn't he been more hot and cold nowadays than really consistent because that's been the quarrel with uh, when I when I've been reading uh, tweets by people following the Serie A the quarrel has always been his consistency issues because that's why no big Italian club has picked him up as of yet. You know, he's hot and cold and he has been on the street this season, undoubtedly, but could he take that with him to Stamford Bridge? I'm sceptical there. No, you're right. Uh, his, yeah, his I mean, good. that's one of the reasons why nobody picked him up, I guess. And yeah, I mean, I liked him when I watched him. 
but yeah it's probably i think the nature of his game is such that you know sometimes the touch doesn't come off the goals don't come so mm. yeah mm. fair mm-hmm. enough shall we shall we address the gabby goal rumors then <laughs> well let's move on to strikers we actually wasn't weren't able to uh, cover that with hazmat last week yeah so yeah yeah let's move on to strikers i mean been a few lads what do you think i mean there have been three recent rumors say the most prominent ones names you'll know how do we feel about this um yeah i mean i like gabigol <laughs> well i have no idea who he is and i will well i will restrict myself because i have no idea who he is i have heard of him for <laughs> sure i mean didn't he sign for inter and then he went on loan i guess so he did no. yeah he did yeah he's a, he's so, a yeah i mean there's no proven goal. track record in europe so i mean is this someone that we really want to invest money in when we have other options so he's he's really not the jimmy funnel type of signing is he not proven <laughs> in europe well uh, that that's the thing isn't it because you you i mean he's very exciting and he's been lauded as the next name a few years back but he's got a lot of flaws you know and scoring a few goals in the brazilian league isn't going to cut it in england yeah i mean i i can understand why the rumors are there because um just looking at the numbers he's basically cristiano ronaldo in brazil at the moment with no exaggerations so uh yeah I, that's it's yeah it's probably inevitable that rumors are going to pop up and some european clubs are set up sit going to set up and take notice but uh chelsea nope not for me chief not for me mm. also the name gabigol is really weird so oh well, gabriel yeah. babosa actually sounds pretty good but you know yeah. he'd be cheap he'd be costing about 20 million pounds which is very very cheap is why people have actually been saying all oh, that well i mean 20 20 million pounds i'm sure we can get better value for our money i mean maybe we could probably pick up somebody from like psg who's out of favor or you know real madrid somebody who's out Pretty of favor sure could Peter come for... better value than that i mean for mm-hmm. that who? sort of money uh, who plays for lille who scored against lille. us yeah yeah he's yeah. i mean he's been linked to tottenham i think but yeah uh... um, yeah tottenham that club yeah Mm. The other one is Moussa Dembélé, uh, who I have oh, quite yeah. fond memories, memories of because he was part of that youth cup final, wasn't he? Uh, with Fulham, where we had like 13 goals, yeah, over two yeah. decks. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, yeah, I remember him from that time, and yeah, I've been kind of keeping an eye on him since then. You know, he's been at Fulham, Celtic. So, yeah, I I like him. um he brings something to the table that i don't think tammy does i think he's more more involved in build up right i mean tammy is somebody who you will who will get the ball you get the, get the ball to him at the half to half uh, half way line he will lay it off and he'll be in the box but i think maybe dembele offers a little bit more there in terms of build up especially mm. in terms of um you know final third interplay and that sort of thing so i don't know what do you guys think Uh, Ram, you take it away. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess Musa Dembele is a little more involved in build-up, although uh, numbers-wise, it doesn't reflect as a lot differently from Tammy Abraham. That maybe because 
Leon are not having the best season at the moment. But then, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, no, uh, Dembele is generally, he, I mean, if you, if you look at his numbers from last season, because that's probably the better way to judge him when Leon were probably more competent. Uh, he he was probably seeing the ball and playing maybe three or four passes more on average in a game, which by striker standards is uh, like a decent amount, uh, although it doesn't sound like it. And then he, he was he was quite involved in the build-up to their goals last season, as well as obviously scoring. He he likes a good dribble. Uh, he, he, he made a good number of passes into the penalty area, deep completion, stuff like that. So yeah, he... He is probably better at linking up. I mean, as a more dynamic target than Abraham. If if I mean, if that's the way you want to put it, because the way the way Tammy works at the moment is he he is used more as a focal point. I guess sometimes he runs in behind the lines, but he uh, in in the last few games at least he's been used as a more of a pure focal point. So yeah, Dembele probably is slightly different in that regard but overall i would i wouldn't say he was a completely different option than abraham um finishing wise he was really really good last season this season as as i said leon haven't been too good but dembele has still actually been quite good he's been hitting the target with half of his shots every other shot of his goes on goes on target and then he's converted a third of his third of those shots into goals so he's he's been on a on a good finishing run this season and when you're looking at expected goals if if a striker does well in a good team but then he also does well in a team that is not creating enough chances he's he's over performing his expected goals by like four at the moment so that's 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 probably a good sign i mean it's, yeah, and his shots per ninety is down as well. So I mean, he had three point eight that's, shots per ninety last season, and definitely indicative this season. So definitely indicative of Leon. Yeah, I mean, progressing as he's, an he side. is on a hot, hot finishing streak for sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the main difference I see between them is that I feel like Dembele is more able to, you know, do quick one touch passes in the final third and have, you know, give and goes yeah. more regularly. Uh, Tammy is. Like I said, you know, you get the ball to him at the halfway line. He will lay your lay it off to your, you know, fullback or your attacking That's midfielder right. who is running, and then That's he'll right. be in the box. He'll make a beeline for the box. So, and he's doing a really good job at that, and that's what we need from him. So, yep. yeah. Oh uh, well, the the fact that we bid apparently bid thirty two million for Musa Dembele is a little laughable, but does it, Jimmy? Does it all also show? where we value him or does it also show that we quite clearly want a second choice but a second choice that is more competent than Michi Batshuayi or is it just simple lowballing by Marina Kronoskaya as as she tends to do at times? Well, you will find out about my answer just after this break. Okay, and we are back. Now to answer Ram's question about uh, the striker search and specifically in regard to a certain Moussa Dembele and the offer Chelsea supposedly has made for him. Now, that offer, amount-wise, I think we can all say for sure that Chelsea knew exactly that that offer wouldn't be accepted. Never, you know? So, I think it was just 
our usual trait when it comes to negotiations. As you already mentioned, Marina Granovskaya, she likes the low ball initially and then increasingly uh, closing on that price that someone like Lyon, was he called? Aulas, I think, wants to see. So I think there was even a, one one example of where Aulas said the exact same a few years ago. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't work. And then eventually it happened that, yes, you know, we, we, we did get our man. I can't remember which play it was, but point being, um, if we offer enough, I'm pretty sure we can get Moussa Dembele, especially if we offer someone like Olivier Giroud uh, in that deal. And, you know, Olivier Giroud is a proven goal scorer. He has been good in in France, why not? I think of the strikers we've been linked with, Moussa Dembele is probably my choice as well because Timo Werner, I'm not a big fan of him, although everyone's go batshit. Um, sorry, pardon my French. He's going crazy about him, um, which I can't understand. I've watched quite a few Leipzig games in the past few years. Um Great guy and all that, but I don't think he would actually benefit from how we're playing at the moment. Uh, he needs a lot of room to run in, and as we're playing against teams mostly who are on the back foot, that wouldn't that wouldn't actually really benefit us or him. Um, Musa Dembele seems like more of a guy suited to how we're playing at the moment. Or there's also this other option that has come up today. Uh, <laughs> Boom, boom, boom. Uh, the annual rumour, Edison Cavani to Chelsea. He is going to be out of contract next or this upcoming summer. So, in theory, I think he can already negotiate for a contract from the summer onwards. So, that could happen, I guess. You know, Man United apparently is also in the mix there. But can it really lead to Chelsea... Uh, Quite, you know, securing the services of uh, Edison Cavani. I don't think so. You know, he's 32 years old. He hasn't been too good of recently. But I think he would also offer, you know, if he'd be like if two or three years ago, it'd been a pretty good signing. But, you know, not meant to be. Moussa Dembele sounds like the most sensible option here. Um, so, I mean... As for Werner, um, I haven't watched as much of, of him as you have, clearly. Um, and like, would you say he's more of a Vardy type player, you know, with a lot of pace to burn and making runs? That, yeah, that kind I, of a... yeah. yeah, I would say so. But I mean, you can't compare them completely. Uh, it's not one-to-one. And Vardy just has this kind of a bad, bad edge <laughs> to him where you say it's kind of a Diego Costa-esque I don't give a damn and I'll get in your face and I live off your pain kind of thing. And Timo Werner is more of a nice guy. And he also is very much affected if, you know, he's low on confidence or the team's not doing well, then that also affects his game. And, you know, mentality-wise, you just can't compare the two, if you ask me. I see. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'll rely on your judgment on that. Um, the reason I say that, you know, would he suit the Premier League and our playing style is, 
Well, I mean, if he's a Vardy type player, then we see that Vardy is doing so well for Leicester, even though they have they have changed the way they play. They play with more position. They play with more patience. So yeah, um, that would not be my concern. I would say that skills are probably transferable in terms of mentality and you know fluctuations in performances. That's something that we should be worried about because yeah, I mean, if you're paying for an expert. An experienced player, you want them to be more consistent than your youngsters. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as for um, what was the name you mentioned again? I forgot the latest transfer. Cavani. Ah, yes, Cavani. <laughs> um, I don't know. It would have been. It's an interesting thought experiment, I guess. Uh, I don't think we'll sign him. I think he already has an agreement with Atletico Madrid already. So. Oh, typical, typical athletic commander. Yeah. yeah, but Siva, can can I ask you one more thing? I I I know you know. I I also said he does play very re- reminiscent of Jamie Vardy, Timo Werner. But you know, playing a certain way is one thing. But if you don't have the right mentality for the Premier League, and this sounds kind of yada to use a more recent term for this kind of. Uh, mindset if you don't have this your dad oh no your dad sorry this <laughs> me, this mentality no no it actually is you know i don't care mentality and i can do this and i'm a tough guy which i don't think Werner has then you'll have a problem and alvaro morat is the most recent example of that uh as a striker now and there are always enough players that i've gotten in from outside england in the premier league who just aren't able to really be effective, you know, and mentality has a has a big role to play in that. Uh, yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Werner. So, I, like I said, I'll rely on your judgment on that. Um, I mean, I was speaking more in terms of the skill set. I think the skill set is transferable. Is the mentality right for the league? I don't know. Hmm. Well, also... You know, you said that he can just change his style. We can change our style of play in regard to how Leicester City did it, breaking down opponents that are sitting deep. That's the problem because we haven't been able to do that for seasons now. And we're talking about several coaches now where we are just not able to break down a packed defence. It's just we fought it with that. We struggle, we can't create, and they then hit us on the break, as has been the case with. Several teams, of re, you know, in recent weeks, Southampton, uh, to a certain degree, Brighton, um, even West Ham, and so on. So, you know, that that's, that's a problem. And if we can't really change the way we play and uh, change in that we play to his strengths, then I, there's not really a point. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is a problem and it's not, it's not, it doesn't have a lot to do with the strikers, although we have been profligate recently. Um, the way we create chances um, and especially against packed defenses, you need to have that endless mentality of, you know, making runs again and again, you know, even if you get no service, if you, even if you get no um no joy from that so i mean that's something that needs to come and also yeah i mean there is a level of um 
if we don't score early in the game i think we get more and more frustrated and then we start playing more and more individualistically and like you know people start taking shots when they should pass and these are things that the chemistry of the team that needs to develop over time as well so yeah i mean this is something to keep an eye on i hope that this is something lampard can rectify soon because we're going to play a lot more teams that are going to set up like that from now on so yeah uh, i hope i think that reese james is part of the solution in that that he can add that width to the pitch and a quality delivery which we haven't always had i mean aspi does a good enough job but is not someone who can pick out a player you know he's someone yeah. who hits an area so that's where i see the difference between him and reese so yeah i hope is part of the solution um, there are going to be more other things we need from our midfielders i feel because um we need i was really disappointed with them um when we played against southampton um and against brighton as well um they were just not able to sustain the possession and pressure that we need to do that you need to keep the ball circulating well not play stupid over the top passes like well jorginho did a lot so yeah mm-hmm. very 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 comprehensive discussion there that began with well began with strike timo werner and then ended with jorginho so that's always a good sign uh jimmy time for one last rumor for today which concerns one of your favorite players of all time and national hero david alaba <laughs> so well, yeah you know um, take it away please um i shan't delay you any further well i mean david alaba is a, a great guy i really do like him he's shown in the past what kind of a footballer he is and he was a world class talent a few years back um he could take on any attacker defensively but he could also provide such an attacking threat going forward he was rightfully regarded as one of the top left backs in the whole of europe also why clubs like real madrid and barcelona apparently came knocking but bayern munich's a very tough cookie when it comes to selling players so when we heard i think it was yesterday that the mirror broke the story so of course we know it's couple wash but anyway um that David Alaba might be a shot target for Chelsea in the January transfer window as more or less an alternative to Ben Chilwell who just won't be leaving Leicester and we pretty much knew as much anyway um then I mean I had to laugh because he's being regarded on Chelsea Twitter the most reactionary fan base possibly as this world class left back and ah uh, he'll he'll be a bargain for 60 million quid and uh he'll bring us to the next level also and we haven't got the history if you read through some of the comment sections on the post and also the daily hilario people are lauding him for achievements which are on the in the past david alaba has stagnated in recent years he hasn't been able to consistently play as well as he did a few years back um 
Bayern Munich has had a few changes in management. He's had quite a few injuries to deal with. And um, that, of course, did contribute to him not being able to keep up this world-class performance game in uh, every game. Before I go on and talk for, I don't know, ages, what I'm trying to say is he's no longer the kind of player that he was. He's just slopping his passing off. Defensively, he can get burnt at times. He plays more as centre-back at the moment for Bayern Munich because they have problems in that area uh, due to injuries. But he's just not as sharp as he used to be. Attacking-wise, he can still, um, you know, contribute. But also not as as brilliantly as he used to. And um, for Austria, where I really do watch him uh, every game, he likes to play in midfield. He told former coach Marcel Koller he wants to play there, you know, that he has to play there. He did. He did play there initially really well when uh, Austria got to the Euros in 2016. But since then, it's been terrible. You know, he's just so much better as a left back. And while I have been slating him a bit here, I do think that he'd be better than what we have at the moment. But the thing is, he's not world class anymore. I think people have to realize that he, David Alaba 2020 or 2019 is not the same Alaba like five years ago. And he's not world class. He will be just as much one of the candidates in our defense that can uh, make a mistake that causes something like Riyad Maris's goal where he uh, turned uh, Emerson. Uh, when we played against City, that ca- that's very much in his locker nowadays. And um, maybe that's the injuries that have caused him to also stagnate. I don't know, but he's just not David Alaba, Champions League winner, um, who will elevate a team to this next level. So I think people should definitely... Um, Drossel their expectations here Okay uh, I have not watched David Alaba since When was the last time he played Bayern Munich? If he played wow. um, well, 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 okay. <laughs> Yeah Well no I, I haven't watched him since then So I, I'm not even going to offer my opinion on that Because I have none To be fair uh, For want of time Let's preview the next game I guess which is a delightful Saturday evening at Stamford Bridge against Burnley. How, I mean, I'm not going to say how do we like Burnley. Uh, feels as if we were <laughs> talking about Burnley not so long ago, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, no, time flies. Anyway, uh, Dwight, Dwight McNeil is quite good. Uh, everyone else is, yeah, same old Burnley. So how, how do we think we're going to do at Stanford. Oh yeah, it's at Stanford Bridge. That's supposed to be an advantage these a disadvantage these days. So uh, how do how do we think it's the Chelsea's gonna do? It's absolutely ridiculous. Our home farm home form is, is just unbelievably bad. And I don't know why, because it's not like we haven't been I mean there have been games like against Southampton and Bournemouth where we've been awful, but I feel like we did well enough against West Ham where we had enough chances to score. But uh, 
yeah so just something that the early goal needs to be scored and if we do that then we'd be good uh-huh. and if we don't then we are in trouble so yeah so against burnley that will be our that should be our main focus we need to score that goal within the first 20 25 minutes so yeah uh, how will we do well let's see i mean is ashley ashley barnes fit <laughs> jimmy uh... another, another one of your Um, fair, fair no, come on! No one likes Ashley Barnes. No yeah, one. Not, I think not even Ashley Barnes likes Ashley Barnes. To be honest. Well, no. I mean, uh, more, my point was more like our Chris Wood and Ashley Ashley Barnes fit because that would pose a problem for our backline. You know, I mean, we have mm. struggled with that physicality, right? We had a tough time dealing with um, the Everton striker Calvert Lewin. Um, yeah, we so, did. Yeah. and bans is more well clever than yeah, sporting politely yeah so yeah i mean it's going to be an interesting game for us because our center backs will have to uh get the better of that battle so we can sustain the pr- pressure and uh, keep our position high up the pitch and not just give free kicks all over the pace which is well, what I, we did i think ashley bans is going to be fit so mm-hmm. yep <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean if we keep giving up free kicks to them in dangerous situations like we did against Burnley the last time when they scored two goals in the final what 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so I mean we can't we can't do that. We can't give them uh that advantage. So we need our center backs to be at their top. Um so yeah. Let's let's see how we do. Mhm. Indeed. Jimmy how do you think it's going to go? Um Well, uh, I don't even really want to hazard a guess here because every time when I thought okay we're playing at home we'll do fine then we haven't. Uh, I don't know about Burnley's recent form but they're always a pain to face so I don't know it feels like a draw sad to say um Oh does it? Okay. Yeah. I hope I'm proven wrong, you know. I do, but just it will be so Chelsea-esque at the moment to draw against Burnley at home. So uh yeah, they they definitely have it in the locker. I'm not talking about Chelsea, I'm, I mean Burnley, you know. They they haven't they're not a bad team as much as I hate them. I'd like them to get relegated, but you know, they just have too much quality for that if we're honest. So and Sean Dyche yeah. is a very good coach you know as much as i hate him oh yeah um, he is yeah so yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see i guess but i'm not yeah. overly optimistic here unfortunately what about you uh i am as always very optimistic <laughs> the, yeah no i'm i'm only really ever optimistic about chelsea uh no i funny story about the last game i was I was out at the time it was actually being played and I really really wanted to avoid any sort of internet interaction before I actually watched the game back because I had it recording on the television so so I got home all you know phone disconnected from I mean yeah phone phone, phone had wifi on but you know every all my notifications and everything were off um but then one of my friends suddenly pings me on WhatsApp and notifications weren't off and he says do it for for i mean 3 3 0 4 0 whatever it was we were leading by and i was like i are you kidding um 
I, I couldn't believe he'd done that against Burnley. To, to say Chelsea scored more than like two goals against Burnley in, in recent times would have been ridiculous. So I think that's going to happen again, quite quite simply put. <laughs> I hope you're I'll, right. I'll, I'll make sure to be out while the match is actually happening and then, you know, put off my phone and tell the same friend to message me again when he shouldn't be. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat the same routine and ensure that yeah. all the all the situations are conducive to a good Chelsea win by a very unexpected amount of goals and late Barnsley surge spearheaded by Dwight McLean, my favourite player. So... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I am curious. Like, do you guys have any pre-match superstitions or rituals that you need to do in order for Chelsea to do well? Because I used to. I used to. I I used to wear my Aspeliqueta jersey for <laughs> every game in the 2017-18 season because you know it was just after we had won uh, the previous season, and yeah, no, that that didn't work out very well. So. I have stopped having superstitions ever since. Do you, Jimmy? No, not really. I, I am a kind of superstitious, guy, superstitious kind of guy, but um, not not there, thankfully. Yeah, your your, your favorite song is probably "I Am Superstitious," isn't it? Anyway, uh, <laughs> Shiva, do you have any superstitions? Yeah, I mean they change every time we lose. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean basically it's just you know if we. If we won the game, the previous game, whatever um, shirt I'm wearing, I tend to wear the same thing again the next game. So it's kind of like that. And if we lose, then yes, that shirt goes out the window and a new shirt comes in. So yeah, yeah, I... and it's kind of that. It's silly, and yeah, and it's kind of uh, fun too. I mean, well, we can't have all those pre-match rituals of going to the pub and having a few pints with our friends. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we yeah. are alone, we have to have our own superstitions, right? <laughs> nope. Yeah, right. I I used to be a very superstitious individual. I used to always keep my glasses in the same place before going to bed every night. But then I became a much more cynical individual with a changed worldview. Anyway, that got too serious. Uh, Jimmy, is it is it time to end the podcast already? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to talk about your superstitions, do you? No. Yes, it is. It is. Um. Unfortunately, you know, we as always we did have a blast. This was longer than we expected, which is definitely a good thing. Exactly, exactly, very much so. Um, but all good things must come to an end, as one says. And yeah, I mean, we'll just have to wait for the weekend. It's not quite a whole week that we have to wait now. Um, we're recording this on a Monday. We've spoken about a lot of good things from the Nottingham game. We've spoken about the most recent. Transfer rumours, uh, given our opinions, I think we'll just have to wait and see what happens if we even sign anyone. We'll see. But for today, that's all from us. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully on the back of a great win, an emphatic win as last time against Burnley. And I'd like to, of course, to conclude things, thank Eternal Blue Siva for coming on been great having you on the podcast uh it's been a pleasure guys um great to finally be on the podcast and i hope people who listen have well don't doze off so <laughs> they, no, they better not sure they better not okay great then that's all from us and we'll see each other next week see you t- until then
拜拜。